If you've not been here for Built to Last Sunday before, thank you, David. Um, it's an exciting day. Why? Because <clears throat> the Bible says without a vision, then people perish. And I've been asked so many times over so many years um, why we keep pushing forwards. Why do you keep going forwards? Why do you keep thinking bigger? Why do you keep going bigger? You know, it's as though it's, it's some, like a bad thing to do. But I find if you get hold of God's Word, you cannot fail than want to go further than you've been before. I find that you can't help but dream bigger dreams. But that's not even at the heart of what we're talking about today. At the very heart of what this is all about today is the fact that Jesus Christ died on a cross 2,000 years ago to introduce the whole world to the saving love and power of a Heavenly Father. And that's what this is all about. And it's because I believe we're in a, a generation where the church is rising up again to say the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The earth is the Lord's. And I believe that we are privileged and honoured to be a part of a generation where God is showing Himself strong in the most amazing ways. I've just come back from a conference. I was at a conference all this week down in Australia. And um, it was just such an honour to be there and hear of the most incredible things that God is doing around the world. I'd encourage you, don't put your head in the sand. Lift up your heads and see what God is doing. For our God is great. And, and He said, I will build my church. And that's the generation that we're part of. And it's a real thrill and it's a real excitement to be a part of a denomination like that. There's hundreds of you know, denominations, I'm sure, and they're all wonderful, but we're part of one of them. And it's just so great to be a part of something that is pushing forwards to plant churches around this world and to see tens and hundreds of thousands of people come to Christ because that's the passion that's burning on the inside of us. Over this month, we're speaking about we are here to leave a legacy. It's why we're here on the planet. It's not just so each of us can experience something for ourselves. It's so we can pass on something that which God has done in us, we can pass on to other people. And a part of that is to lay claim and lay hold of lives and of land. If you go through the Bible, you cannot fail to see Old Testament and New Testament that God lays hold of regions. You find it all the way through Acts where the Apostle Paul or the disciples or Philip or Stephen or somebody goes into an area and even though it's not like a physical promised land, see God didn't only die for Israel, He died for the whole world. And the Bible says the whole of creation groans and cries out for the revealing of the of the church, of the sons of God. And everywhere you go through the Acts, Acts in the Bible is sort of after Christ. He's died, he's, he's hung on the cross, he's died on the cross. He's been raised from the dead. He's ascended to heaven where he now sits at the right hand of the Father. And the church carries on 
what he started. And a part of that job, as you find through the book of Acts, is to walk into cities and to walk into towns and to sort of spiritually put a stake in the ground and say, this territory belongs to Jesus Christ. No matter what strongholds there are there, no matter what mindsets there are there, no matter what traditions there are there. And God loves all the traditions around the world. He's not trying to make everybody the same, but everything has got to bow its knee to the lordship and the love and the the dominion of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're all about. So today I want to talk about we are here to build on purpose. To build on purpose. And I'm not going to be talking about buildings, (laughs) okay? It's not what today's about. Because that's not what we're here to build. We're here to build lives. We're here to build our own life and to build into other people's lives. We began this series with that whole understanding of we're here to live beyond ourselves. And I believe that's what God is wanting to stir up in Citygate Church at this time. So we don't just live for ourselves, but we live for a greater cause. Can I hear an amen this morning? You see, inheritance is about leaving stuff, items. What, you know, what are you going to get in your inheritance? What did you get in your inheritance? Well, I got this and I got the watch and I got the ring or I got the house or I got that. It's stuff. Yeah, it's stuff. People leave a will And in the will, it says very clearly what they leave to other people. You can't put in a piece of paper what you've passed on to somebody else. It's not something that's just handed to you or you just go to a solicitor's office and say, all right, I'll have some integrity. Hello? I'll have some honor. I'll have some joy. I'll have big thinking. I'll have love for God. You can't, you can't put any of that in a will. You can't just, on your deathbed, and I know we find in the Bible where people, you know, were in their last hours and they laid hands on their sons and they imparted stuff. That's all great. We absolutely believe in that. But you can't just wait for the last five minutes of your life and then give something that really we should have spent our lifetime building. Hello, come on, I'm preaching better now than, you know, and we've got to be people that don't just think inheritance, which seems to be the driver of the world. What can we store up to leave for the kids? How many of you know you can leave all sorts of stuff for your kids? We can leave all sorts of stuff for the next generation. In fact, every generation picks up where the last one left off in their mindsets, in their but you can't just leave stuff as an inheritance. We've got to be investing into lives on purpose, on a daily basis, to not just leave stuff, but to leave a legacy. What we've developed in our own lives over decades, you can't pass on on a deathbed, but you can invest into others over time. I'd like us to turn to 2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to read from verses 1 to 7. This is actually the passage that I had on my heart for our annual publication that came out last month. If you haven't got the uh, the Ephesians 18 um, book that 
we've printed hundreds off, then please take one and please give them out. What a great opportunity to introduce people to who Citygate Church is and what we're all about. I've used, I've used probably a dozen or 15 or 20 of those things already by now. They are great conversation pieces. They're great things to pass on to people. Why? Because it's, it's all about people's lives. It's about what we're building here. That's not really just for the church. It's for us to pass on. So is that okay? So grab a handful on your way out and please make sure we use those the way they were intended. But here we are in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. And it says this, The sons of the prophet said to Elisha, Now, see now. The place where we dwell with you is too small for us. I love this attitude in these young guys. I love this. How do you know if you're getting old? Because young people are saying, we want to be bigger than you. (laughs) I don't see that as a threat. I see that as a big win. When people say, Pastor Jay, we honour you, we love you. This is not a competition. It's great, whatever. But we want to be twice what you are. That's just awesome. Don't get threatened at that. So many people get threatened at that and then they want to squash it all down. We want to say, go for it. Come on, when you turn to someone, say, go for it. (laughs) The place where we dwell with you, Elisha, is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. I love this. The Jordan speaks of the life of God. There wasn't a a whole heap of young people here who were saying, we want to go clubbing. (laughs) We want to spend our life on Facebook, Instagram 10 hours a day. They said, we want to lay hold of some more of the life of God. And you know what? That's the first thing that we can invest into people is we can create an environment where people develop a passion for God. That's what our youth is all about. That's what our kids is all about. We're not just trying to, you know, give us, us mums and dads an hour off on a Sunday morning. We're investing into lives. Can I hear an amen? That's why we got 72 teachers and helpers on our kids' church rota. 72, that was the last number I was given. Why? Because we value what we invest into our young people. Let us go to the Jordan, let every man take a beam from there and let us make a place there where we may dwell. So he answered, go. Go for it. Then one said, but please consent to go with your servants. We want you to come with us. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the the Jordan. And he cried out and said, alas, master, master. Where did that come from? Alas, master. (laughs) It was borrowed. And the man of God said, show me uh, where it fell. And And he showed him the place. So he cut off a stick. And he threw it in, into the Jordan and he made the iron axe head float to the top. It's just bizarre, isn't it? Therefore, he said, you pick it up for yourself. And so the guy, he stretched out his hand, he reached out and he took the iron axe head. And it all turned out okay. 
That's good. Elisha was all about what he built in other people. That's what he lived for. He built into other people a passion for God. He built into this team of prophets a desire to, you know, to dream big and to go further than he'd gone. What did he do? He built big people. He had a desire to build big people. If you're going to build big people, you need to be a big person yourself. You know, some people are just, are just so intimidated by life. Oh no, I'm not anything. I can't do and I won't and I can't and I shan't and I, I'm unable and I this and I that. And they've got such a small view of themselves where God says, I've created you in my image and in my likeness and all things are possible to he who believes and through Christ I can do all things. Through Christ you strengthens me. When you find out what God says about you, it's not about arrogance and pride, but you tend to get a godly view of yourself. And when you get a godly view of yourself, you can start to build big people around you. See, some people squash other people. When you spend time with them, you come away feeling squashed. I don't know if you know anybody like that, but I know some people like that. You spend time with them and you come away from them feeling deflated, feeling like I can't and I won't and I'm no good. But a church is a place where people come through the doors and they leave bigger than the way they came in. Their faith has been stretched. Their joy has been enlarged. Their love has been increased. Their peace has been in, increased, enlarged. A church is a place where you get bigger. <laughs> That's good news. What did Elisha do? He built big people. He's also a man, and again, I'm not going to go through Elisha, but a church is a place, and Elisha is a place where we build community influence. We build community Influence. We've already heard earlier that, you know, Christ said about the church, my church is a city on a hill and a lamp on a lampstand. A church is a place of influence. Not a place of influence being known for what we stand against and what we don't like and what we, what we criticize, but it's a place of influence. Why? Because I believe the kingdom of God advances every part of society. When the kingdom of God invades education, education's better for it. When the kingdom of God in, um, impacts um, healthcare, healthcare is better for it. In fact, historically, as you go through the healthcare, especially of this nation and other nations, you find where there's a revival, healthcare advances. Care for the poor and the needy advances. Why? Because the church is a place of community influence. Elisha was also a place, and perhaps he didn't use the word cathedral, but you know where he was about establishing and creating places, cathedrals to the glory of God. These young guys said, we want to build somewhere that is greater than what we've known before. And again, I don't want to talk about actually trying to build buildings today and planning and all that sort of stuff. We've done all that at the Vision Sunday before. But today I want us to catch hold of the spirit of leaving a legacy and building something big. The world needs to be a better place because Citygate Church has been here. The world needs to be a better place because you and I have believed God and sown into an offering today. The world needs to be a better place because there's a church who loves people. We don't want to 
leave this world the same way that we inherited it. We want to leave a legacy and leave the world in a better place with more thousands of people loving God, with more families restored, more bodies healed, more needs met, more compassion, more joy, more love being left in our society because there has been a church that has said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve God and we're going to advance and we're going to live big and we're going to dream big and we're going to push forwards and we're going to give our lives for a cause. (laughs) Elisha lived to build on purpose and to leave a legacy in the lives of others. I've got half a dozen things here that, that if we're really keen about this, if we're really stirred about this, then these are the things that we need to do and we need to be from that passage in 2 Kings chapter 6. Number one, those who leave a legacy, they lead in all these areas. And God, I just, before we get into this, God wants us to be leaders, to lead in our world, in our office, in our, in our street. Just over the last few months, Sharon's been stirred to get all the neighbours together, all the ladies anyway, and so she's invited, you know, I don't know, a dozen that way from our house and a dozen that way or whatever it is, five each way. I don't know what it is. Who cares about the numbers? <laughs> five that way, five that way, so ten people... You know, to say, come on, let's come on. To lead in starting to get people together. How many of you know you can live in the same house for years and not really know the people around you? Hello. So she, you know, she started to invite, and all these people now hanging around my house. (laughs) I come home and there's all these women everywhere. I go into my man cave. I leave her in her man cave, which is the kitchen, of course. Come on, we all know it's true. And the other man cave that Sharon has is the utility room. It's got everything she needs. It's got a sink, a washing machine and a dryer in the iron and the ironing board. Wonderful place. Sharon loves it in there. She goes in there. She shuts the door. I hear her singing away to her heart's content. And she comes out and she says, do you mind if I spend some more time in there? Please help yourself. Please, please. I've been in there for hours. That's okay. That's okay. But God's called us to lead in the areas of leaving a legacy. So let's go through this. Number one, legacy leaders see. They see. It it doesn't ever cease to amaze me how many people walk around on a daily basis with their eyes shut. They don't see Life. They don't see people. I don't know if you've seen the film Avatar. What a film. I think Avatar 2 is coming out, isn't it? And how do they... Um, well, it isn't, it isn't only a greeting. It's something far more than that. And they sort of go up and they go, I see you. <laughs> I see you. And it's not just, I see your face and I say... I see into you. Not in a spooky, nasty way. Don't go and call the film demonic and we need to cast out demons. It's a great film. Get over yourself. (sighs) But it's this thing that 
That's where relationship happens. I see you. I see, I see into you. We could say this, I'm, I'm concerned about you. I'm, I'm for you. I want to be heart to heart with you. I want to, I want to do life together. I see you. I want to I dream the dreams you dream. You see, we've got to be people who see. These young guys, they came to Elisha and they said, see Elisha. See, now Elisha was a prophet. He was a seer. He heard from God. He saw stuff as an Old Testament prophet did. Now we got the same, the same spirit today, so we can do exactly the same thing. But back then it was the one person. It was Elisha. It was Elijah. It was Isaiah. It was Jeremiah. They had a prophet almost for a generation. <laughs> and these young guys, they said, Elijah, can you see us? They didn't say, can you criticize us? Can you label us? They said, can you see us? And something seems to happen when you get a little bit older, where you start to see the faults more than you see the good. Start to criticize rather than encourage. I see all the problems of the younger generation. They're out of order. The young guys, all they do is spend all, they're just, you know, they're the entitled generation. They're the victim generation. And you know what you sound like? A grumpy, uh, um, a grumpy person. That's not the way to leave a legacy. These young guys, they said, can you see us? Can you see how we see? Can you see how we feel and what we're experiencing here? We need some elbow room. In actual fact, there's a great, where's this? this I love this out of one translation of the Bible. It says, one day the guild of the prophets came to Elisha and said, can you see that this place where we live under your authority is getting cramped? <laughs> Sounds like a teenager, doesn't it? I want to stretch my wings. We have no elbow room. And you love that. That was this, the heart of these guys. Can we have permission to go down to the Jordan where each of us will get a log and we'll build a roomier place? See, their heart was to work with Elisha, but for them to work with Elisha, Elisha had to see. Are you getting anything out of this today? What do you see when you look around the world? What do you see when you see your children? What do you see when you see our community? Do you only see the things to criticise? And you know, there's a lot to, that we think there is to criticise right now. Ah, oh, the world's going down the tubes. It's never been this bad. Hey, you need to change your view. You need to see the opportunity, not just see a problem. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding right now. This is life-changing. They see. Let me ask you this question. Do we take time to see the next generation? 
Number two, leaders who leave a legacy stretch. So they see and they stretch. I love these guys. This place is too small for us. Might be fine for you, but it's not fine for us. Time to stretch. Time to stretch. Apparently, when you, you get on a bit, you, your skin loses its what? Its elasticity. When you're sort of young, you're, uh, this sounds like an old man's preach. It's not what I'm, and uh, I'm not an old man, okay? I'm just, you, you know, you sort of, you know, you do that and it goes straight back down. When you get older, you pull it up and it keeps pulling. <laughs> and then it flops over. It flops it flops over. If you shake too hard, it's a... <laughs> well, you know what? A person can be like, it's not an age thing, but that, that can be a spiritual thing and a mindset thing as well. That a person becomes inf- inflexible. We lose our stretch. In your 20s, it's like, ah, oh, yeah, great, well, I'm up for anything. And then by the time you're 40s, you calm down. You've got your slippers on, your string vest with holes in it. You don't care anymore. <laughs> it's like, oh, come on. See, these young guys are grateful for Elisha and everything he's built but they're eager to move forwards. They're eager to move onwards and upwards. And I love the response of Elisha. He didn't kill their dream. He didn't say, sit down, young thing. He didn't say, oh, come on, you've got to mature before you can step out. He didn't say, you know what? It's not your time. It's my time. Hello? You know what he said? He said, go for it. He said, go for it. He didn't kill their dream. He didn't say, you're not ready. He wasn't threatened by somebody else's success. As a church here in Citygate Church, we want to raise up more and more and more and more people who go further than we've ever gone. Why are we building buildings? Why are we putting our life? Why are we, you know, drawing a line today and say, we are stepping over? Today really is a day of decision for Citygate Church. When I shared three Sundays ago, four Sundays ago about the vision, it really is, guys, it is now or never. That's not a threat, that's a reality. It's now or never. Never. We're stepping in to a three to five year project which either happens now or it doesn't happen at all in this generation. It will be another 10 to 15 years before it can happen again. And I sense there's a cry from, in our generation, of the young generation, who are saying, we want to go further. And as a church, we've got to make a way for that. We've got to be up for the stretch. To stretch outside our comfort zone. You know, we teach kids from when they're young, you know, to colour in pictures. And the colour, you know, stay within the borders. (laughs) You know, when they're kids, it's like, oh, look at my painting. You think, yes, oh, that's amazing. And then we think, you know what, we've really got to bring this into some structure and into some order. 
So you need to colour within the borders. We should squash creativity. And I think there's something in God that wants to say to Citygate this morning, come on, think outside the borders. Think outside the boundaries. Think outside the safe zones. Stretch outside and put your life into something bigger. Don't leave another five years, another 10 years, and then regret and think, I wish, and if only. Every Friday night, we have a team of guys and girls who come here and put their lives into a whole load of young people. And they got full-time jobs like you and I have. And they got families like you and I have. And yet they still say on a Friday night, come on, there's something bigger to live for. I want to put my life into something more than a TV set and a mortgage and a nice family and a nice house. I'm going to put my life into a generation that I can, I can leave something on the inside of them where there can be a passion that says, I want to go down the Jordan and I want to build something bigger than you. God's stirring something, I believe, in our hearts today. Number three, leaders who leave a, 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 a legacy, they send. Elisha said, go for it. After he had heard the plan. It's our heart to release people. It's our heart to say, go for it. But please come with a plan. Hello? Please come with a plan. Please come from something from God on the inside that says, I really believe I've heard from God about this. We have a heart in Citygate to say, go for it. To say, go for it. Go and fulfill what it is that God's put on your heart. This is a place where dreams are not squashed and dreams are not killed. Where we want to see people go further and fly higher. And I love the spirit of Elisha, and I pray it's on each one of us here today that we say, Go for it. Go and be all that God's called you to be. Number four, they serve. I love the fact that he went and helped them to build the new place. He didn't just say, You go for it, he said, You go for it now. Absolutely, and the next point is that they stay. And so, you know, these young guys said, will you stay with us? And, and they stay and they see it through. But I love the fact that Elisha wasn't saying, no, you can't go and build something because you've got to serve me. He said, you know what? Let's turn this around. Why don't you go and build something and I'll serve you? And I'll go and make your life great. And I'll go and do something in your life. Why? Because I want to invest and I want to leave something in the next generation that I can say, I helped there. I served there. King David, he served in his own generation by the will of God. They serve. Number five, they stay. Elisha stayed with the sons. He stayed in their lives. He stayed a part of what was going on. He didn't create a distance out of being threatened. He didn't create a distance out of, well, that's your vision. And No, he said, come on, I'll go with you. I'll stay with you. I'll be part of what's going on. And it's my heart and it's my prayer today that we as a church are people that stay the course and that we stay with what is going on and we stay with the vision and we stay with the building. Point number six, they stand. Legacy leaders stand. You know what? There will be trouble. 
<laughs> you got to smile with this one. There will be trouble. There will be trouble. The Apostle Paul said, I fought with beasts in Ephesus. The Lord Jesus himself on the night he was betrayed, he went, he shed, um, he poured out the, the wine and the, and the bread and he broke the bread. He knew what was coming, but for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He went to the garden to pray and he said, come on guys, pray with me. And nobody did, they all fell asleep and he carried it alone and his sweat was like drops of blood, which actually happened in the First World War in the trenches just through sheer fear. As they were having aneurysms through the stress and the pressure that was going on. And he, and he, and he was there crying out to God, not my will but yours be done. But, but the insight to that is he knew what was coming, but he could see the victory ahead. And the Bible's really, really clear. When you want to stand up and you want to go forwards, there will be trouble. There will be spiritual attack. There will be things that says, come on, give up, forget it, don't go for it. This is too much like hard work. But there is light at the end of the tunnel. The Bible says, even though I feel like I've been uh, trampled by horses, God brings you out into a large place. How many of you are glad for the testimony of salvation that you have? You can look back over your life and you can see times where the enemy came in, but God's grace came in like a flood. God's goodness came in like a flood. God will never leave us and never forsake us. He is a faithful God to see us through every situation. But what about when somebody else is going through it? Here are these young guys and they're going for it. And something goes wrong. You know what? There will be trouble. It could be sin. The church, there's no place like the church with this crazy thinking. Number one, we all know that we all get it wrong. Hello? Anybody here perfect? No, none of us are perfect. Wonderful. We all know we need forgiveness. We all know we need grace. Yeah, amen? We all know that if it wasn't for the cross, we're done. We all know that. But if somebody gets it wrong and we find out about it, man alive, we just want to convict them and hammer them and condemn them and rebuke them and criticize them. And yet we all know that no one's perfect. Isn't it crazy? Here is the church full of grace and full of love. And yet when something happens, what do we want to do? We want to judge. These young guys, something went wrong. You know what? It could be sin. It could be a spiritual attack. It could be, as in this one, they lost their axe. You know, you could say he lost his edge. <clears throat> I love Elisha. He didn't point the finger and go, you idiot. I didn't think you were ready for this. I was expecting something to go wrong. I was just waiting for you to fall. Come on, guys, we got to be more gracious than that. Hello? Come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding this morning. The church is so often a place where people are afraid to be honest. And this guy, the axe fell, and he went, Oh, no, Elisha, help! 
I want Citygate Church to be a place where people can cry out for help and know they can get help and not get a slap. Amen. And Elisha, when these guys didn't know what to do. What do we do, Elisha? I've lost my axe head. Everything's falling apart. It's all gone wrong. Elijah, sorry, Elisha knew what to do. He didn't point the finger. He didn't accuse. He stood with them and said, let's sort this out. Number seven, what else do they do? They speak. I'm hoping this is you and I today. I'm hoping this is you and I today, that this is our life. That we see, we stretch, we send, we serve, we stay. I'm not talking about something that the church does. I'm talking about something that we all do. We serve, we stay, we stand. What else do we do? We speak. Elisha, first thing he said was, where did it fall? Where did something go wrong? Where did it go wrong? Because I want to sort this out. He brings things out into the light in order to be put right. I love the fact that there are people in my life, there are people in your life where you can be transparent and honest and say, this is where things are at. And they say, let's sort this out. See, this is a big month for us. We're talking about let's leave a legacy. And in order to leave a legacy, there needs to be relationships. There needs to be heartfelt, heart to heart, We're in this together. They speak, where did it go wrong? And they brought it into the light and he was able to put it right. Number eight, they show. What did he do? He publicly demonstrated how to get the axe head out. He didn't do it behind the scenes. He said, right, let's get a stick. And everybody was watching. Everybody was watching. How do we get out of this? Everybody was there to see it. He did it. He did it absolutely publicly, both Christ and and, Christ. and and, uh, Paul in the book of Acts, they both said this, everything we've done, we've done publicly. We didn't do things behind closed doors. And I'm really challenged by that, that sometimes I think, you know, perhaps perhaps I need to be more public about, about how we've achieved, how we've done things, how we've overcome Why? Because I want the things that I've learned in my life to be passed on to other people. And I want to encourage you as well. You've learned great things in your life. Who have you passed them on to? Who have you encouraged other people with, with those things? Who are you showing in some public demonstration how to live a Christian overcoming victorious life? Number nine, they are secure. And they secure their sons in their own identity. What do I mean by that? You pick this up. See, Elisha didn't have to stretch in and, uh, you know, grab the axe head and go, hey, look what I've done. No, he threw in the stick or they threw in the stick. I think he threw in the stick. But he said, you pick up the axe head. Come on, you get the victory. You go for it. I love this spirit. Christ did the same thing. He sent them out and said, you go and heal everybody. You know, we try to not build in this place the man of God syndrome, which is, oh, pastor, will you pray for me? Because I, I, I have a need. And I think, well, one of my prayers any, any good. <laughs> They're no better than your prayers. God doesn't go, oh, wow, it's a pastor praying. <laughs> Angels, we got a pastor praying. 
Jesus, are you hearing this? We've got a pastor praying. Not some congregation member. Not some Christian. This is a pastor. Man, they're praying. I better do something. Isn't that a horrible thing that the church has built? Come on, guys. I can remember life-changing for me. Life-changing. I've been saved. I've been a Christian, I don't know, not long. Six months or eight months. And I got a phone call in the middle of the night. A lot of you have heard this, this uh, a story. A guy, he phoned me up in the middle of the night. Wasn't a Christian. Was having real heavy demonic stuff going on in his house. He'd bought this house. Used to be owned by a, a, a coven. And they used to do all sorts of nasty stuff in this house. He didn't know that. He came in. All sorts of stuff was going on in this house. Really like exorcist stuff. <laughs> you know, uh, what's that film? Um, the Paranormal, The Old... Anyway, that stuff. Poltergeist. That stuff going on. Stuff flying around the room. Doors opening and slamming by themselves. And people walking up and down the stairs and there's no one there. And I get a phone call in the middle of the night, about two o'clock in the morning. I was asleep in bed, not for long. Ring, 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 ring. Get up. Hey, can you come and do something? We are freaking out here. And, I, and so anyway, um, I'd heard about this before and things were going on and I'd spoken to my pastor and he said, well, I said, can you come down and can you, can you pray in the house with this family? He said, why can't you do it? <laughs> I thought, I'm six months old as a Christian. I'm six months old, as if that means God's not going to listen to me. Oh, but you don't know what you're doing. What, do you need a PhD in something to get down there and to pray in the name of Jesus and to believe God to move? Do you need to be some special shining something? What have we done with the name of Jesus to put it confined onto a platform? And I was, and I got this phone call. It's about one, two o'clock in the morning and this phone rang and I said, I'm coming down. I jumped in my car and I heard about an hour's drive down to where he lived and I think I got there about two o'clock in the morning and they were freaking out. Kids were freaking out and they were freaking out, stuff going on. And they said, so what are you going to do? And I acted like I knew, you know what I mean? <laughs> I acted like, yeah, this is, this is going, oh, I'll pray. I said, I'll pray. And so, and they said, what, do we come with you? And I, uh, yeah, yeah, you come with me. <laughs> So it's like we walked into every room of the house and I didn't know I laid hands on just everything I could. Laid hands on the kitchen cabinets, laid hands on the sink, laid hands on the front door, laid hands on the back door, laid hands on the carpet, laid hands on the walls and just everywhere. In Jesus' name. I didn't know what else to say. In Jesus' name. And they never from that moment, and this had been going on for a long time, weeks if not months, they never had another issue. Was it anything to do with a pastor? Was it anything to do with an apostle? Was it anything to do with a Bible school? Was it No, it was to do with a simple childlike faith that said, come on, our God is big enough to break through in this situation. And if it's good enough for the disciples, it's good enough for me. In Jesus' Name. In Jesus' name. And if there's something I want to stir up, but not for today, but for another time, I want to stir up is, guys, start using your hands. Start to lay hands on some people. Start to open your mouth and speak some stuff in the name of Jesus. And you just watch and see what God will do on your behalf to bring glory to His name and to set somebody free. Man. 
He said, you pick it up. You lay hands on the sick. You give the gospel to somebody. You go and meet somebody's need. Awesome. Number 10, leaders who leave a legacy so. Today is the built to last offering. You cannot read the Bible without finding people who sow into the next generation. They sow. They sow into the lives of the next generation. They sow their lives in. They sow their words in. They sow their time in. They sow their joy in. They sow their love in. In. They sow their expectation in. And of course, they sow their finances in. I love King David. I think I, um, I think I spoke on this the other week. But King David said, you know what? God has turned up to me and said, you'll never see this built, the temple that you're building. Your son's going to build it. And he said, well, in that case, I'm going to stop working. Is that what he said? No. He said, in that case, I'm going to do everything I can so he can build something awesome. And he put his life into sewing from that point on. And he built the instruments and he wrote the music and he wrote it all down in something he'd never see fulfilled. He put his life into why? For the next generation. Why do we build buildings? It's one of the key activities by which man reflects the creative nature of God. God speaks about cities. He speaks about worlds. He speaks about regions. He speaks about towns. God is into environments. When we build, we demonstrate that God thinks long term. That God's thinking past just the next five minutes of existence. And we show that God has a vision and a dream that is expansive and growing. We build to create an opportunity for others to see that our God is great and that we want to leave an example of faithful stewardship to the next generation. Just as those who came before us build a place for us, it is our duty and our joy to build the greatest place we possibly can for the generations to come. When we build something great, we reflect God and we inspire our children to trust Him with even greater things during their lifetime. We've all got things that we've said, hey, you know what? Can you remember when we were going through it and God showed up and look what God did? We want to say, look what God did in our society. Look what God did in our community. Look what God did in our generation. What the buildings do, they provide so, so much. They provide a clear identity. They, they show a spirit of excellence into a generation. I don't know about you, but I love to see what's been built to the glory of God in the past generations. Not my style, not what I would want, but it's like, wow, look what these people did to the glory of God. I think Pastor Sally brought up last Sunday about a, a church or a cathedral that was built over six, six, six centuries. People put in their life into something year after year, generation after generation. It shows a spirit of excellence. What else does a building provide a safe haven to a broken world? I firmly believe there needs to be more and more places in our city where people know they can go and find help. Not just phone a number. 
Not just a prayer line on the end of a or on the end of an online connection or on the end of a TV program, but a place where people can go and experience the love and the presence and the grace and the spirit of God. I believe that a, it it supplies us with a place and it gives God an environment to show off. I don't know about you, but have you ever? Come into a place and go, and you know what? There is something different about this. This is, I've already said, a safe haven in a broken world, but a God environment. I don't believe that God lives in buildings. Absolutely not. He lives in people. But where there is an outpost for the kingdom of God, great, great things happen. A place of salvation, a place of healing, and an incredible training facility to build big and influential people. Do you get anything out of that today? We're here to leave a legacy, guys. We're here to build big, big people.